Our scripture reading comes from Luke chapter 5, verses 33 through 39. So Luke writes, and they said to him, the disciples of John fast often and offer prayers, and so did the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours eat and drink. And Jesus said to them, can you make a wedding guest fast while the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in those days. He also told them a parable. No one tears a piece from a new garment and puts it on an old garment. If he does, he will tear the new, and the piece from the new will not match the old. No one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins, and it will be spilled, and the skins will be destroyed. But new wine must be put into fresh wineskins, and no one after drinking old wine desires new, for he says, the old is good. So we've talked uh, the last few weeks about how in in the surrounding verses, um, in the next few passages, uh, we have the Pharisees challenging Jesus on a number of things. In general, um, they notice that he is different. Uh, that Jesus speaks differently, he acts differently, he doesn't do things the way that other religious leaders do. Jesus is unique, and we have to ask the question, well, why? Uh, what's what? What else is going on there? Um, what I want to do today um, is is zoom in on the fact that Jesus is not just different, right? And he's not just sufficient. Um, but that Jesus is better, and that's what he's getting at in these passages. The Pharisees are wondering why he does things in his own way, and the reason is, is because his way is better. We live in an era, uh, and, and probably the reality is, is we, it's always been this way to some extent, where, where people like to make Jesus the mascot of, of everything they do, okay? But Jesus arises here, um, or the question arises here around, around Jesus and the issue of fasting. And Jesus is going to speak into that question about why doesn't Jesus just kind of line up with the way everybody else does things? Jesus has something to say about that. And so in verse 33, um, again, the issue arises around fasting. The Pharisees are saying, um, you know, the Pharisees fast, uh, John's followers even fast, but your followers, Jesus, they eat and drink, even, even with sinners, as we saw last week. Why is that? Well, Jesus answers them in verse 34 and says, can you, with, with this, this illustration, can you make the wedding guest fast while the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in those days. Okay, so right, we, Jesus gives this illustration of a wedding, and we've all been to a wedding before, right? We know that at the wedding, um, and on the wedding day, um, it is celebrated in a special way. Uh, and particularly, there are also, there are two people who are focused on in a special way. And, and all eyes, and all attention, and all interest is on those two people, the bride and groom, right? And, and in the context of a, of a wedding day, we understand that that's right. That is good. Um, that's normal that everybody would be focused on them because they're the two people who's, who this day is, is focused on, right? Ordinarily, that would be weird. If, if, if in any other situation in, in, we, we had, a person or, or two people who were saying, hey, everybody who's here, I know you've all gathered together, but everybody should be looking at me. Everybody's attention should be on me. We would think that would weird, would, would be weird, right? We would think that would be, um, 
you know, arrogant or, or self-obsessed or whatever. And yet on the day of the wedding, because of the special circumstances, that is appropriate. Well, the reality is, is that Jesus' physical presence uh, is a special time too, right? A time that calls for special observance. Fasting is, is a practice of, of abstinence, right? It's a, it's a practice of self-denial. But Jesus' physical presence is a time of, of celebration and an abundance. Um, fasting is important. And, and Jesus tells us there's going to be a time when, uh, for it and, and a time when, when its importance will return. Um, right? Um, that, that's, that's, that's something that will, that will come back. But currently it is out of place. All right. Fasting would be out of pr- place when Jesus was there physically present with them. And that, and that sets up these, these next few parables that Jesus gives us. And it under, introduces, um, a, a number of ideas that kind of center around the uniqueness and the sufficiency of, of not only Jesus, but of, of what he has come to do. And, and it recognizes that certain things don't fit with Jesus, right? They are out of place. When, when we try to connect them to Jesus, they don't match when they intersect with Jesus. And so the implications of that question for us are, well, well, why don't, why doesn't Jesus and why don't we do things the same way other groups do? Why don't we act and try to influence and proceed through, through life the way other groups do? And Jesus is, is going to show us some things in these, these parables. The idea is that Jesus doesn't come here to assimilate. He doesn't come to synchronize, right? His way with, with the way of the world. He doesn't come to synthesize those two things. He doesn't try to figure out a way where those two things can match. Why? That's what these parables are going to get into. And so he gives us several examples that sort of explain that reality. The first of which is this picture of a torn garment. So in verse 36, Jesus says, it says, he also told them this parable no one tears a piece from a new garment and puts it on an old garment. If he does, he will tear the new and the piece from the new will not match the old. So Jesus is saying he is the new garment. And the first problem is, is this, is that when we try to cut something off of Jesus, we end up actually ruining him, despite what our intentions might have been. So the first thing that Jesus points out is he says, if, if someone cuts a piece of a new garment off to patch an old one, the first problem is that he tears the new, right? When you try to take Jesus and use him as a patch for some other, other system or other worldview or something, you're going to have to isolate and remove something, an, an aspect or, or a teaching or an idea from Jesus and remove it from its proper context and its perfect context. But the problem is, is this, is that Jesus is a package deal, right? Um, literally, he is a seamless garment. That is to say, there's, there's no dissecting Jesus. You can't chop him up and use the pieces how you would like and then discard the rest. At least you can't do that without destroying the integrity of the whole, the whole of Jesus' person and the whole of Jesus' teaching. Right. And maybe more to the point, why would we want to? Man, you have this this new flawless garment. Why would you want to ruin it by cutting it up to mend an old worn out garment? Right. Just wear the new garment. 
instead of trying to patch the old, just wear the new. And so Jesus is giving this picture. He says, man, if you, if you try to patch the old garment by chopping up the new, you're going to ruin the new garment. Okay. And then also he warns us that this, 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 amalgamated garment that you have that is made from the old garment and the patches from the new, man, it's not going to match. It's not going to fit. And the reality is, is Jesus is not going to fit. Jesus is never going to line up with your, with your system. He's never going to match the new system that you're trying to make him match with. He is always going to be at odds with it somehow, right? He is, he is always going to be at, at odds with any system that you try to um, synthesize him with. And so, you know, we see that right now with, with the two extremes maybe of uh, Donald Trump kind of nationalism in our country. And we see it with the, the extreme of, of, of um, the Black Lives Matter movement. Okay. Um, if you look at the sexual ethic of both of those groups or, or worldviews, neither of them, is a biblical world, uh, biblical sexual ethic, right? Neither of them is the sexual ethic that Jesus presents. The problem is, is we keep on trying to graft Jesus into our old pieces of clothing. We keep on trying to make Jesus match these other system and these other ways of doing it. And it's not a new problem. We all do it. And we have for all of, of history since, since Jesus was incarnate. Um, we do it on a personal level, right? And we do it on a worldview philosophy level. It's kind of like as an illustration, uh, one time the great saint and, and philosopher, Hank Hill, also known as the king of the hill, he took his son Bobby to a Christian rock concert. And at some point he'd heard enough and decided to leave. And when he was leaving, the lead singer of the Christian rock band came out and asked him why he was leaving. And Hank said, don't you see, you're not making Christianity better. You're just making rock and roll worse. That's true of our own context, okay? When we try to tack Jesus onto something, you're not making your ideology better. You're just making Christianity worse, and they're not going to match. The chopping up and the pairing of of some element of, of, of Jesus and his teaching with some element of, uh, of a secular worldview, they're never going to match. So, so you might say, well, well, cool. Are you saying that we should keep Jesus out of these things? Ash, are you saying that we shouldn't try to bring Jesus into these, these contexts? And, and no, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is this, is that Jesus sanctifies by bringing us into himself, right? Um, we are literally in Christ. Okay. Um, Jesus does not sanctify by us tacking him on in part, uh, in pieces to something else, right? Jesus sanctifies us um, and sanctifies worldviews and thoughts, the institutions, by bringing those into himself and changing them according to who he is, not by trying to patch um, pieces of, of a, a worldview that stands opposed to his um, with, with little pieces of Jesus, okay? Largely overall, like overarching, and this speaks not only to the sufficiency of Jesus, the fact that Jesus is enough and that the gospel is enough to address um, 
the central questions of our lives, right? But more importantly, it speaks to the excellency of Jesus, right? That we have already the best garment, that it is beautiful and durable and functional, right? It'll never fade out. It'll never wear out. The reality is, is it may not always be in style. And that's honestly most of our problem, isn't it? That we don't like the fact that Jesus is unfashionable at sometimes. And yet we need to wear Jesus. We need to put on Jesus and not cut off pieces of Jesus to patch our worldviews. Well, you might say, well, Ash, I don't think that's right. Uh, I want to bring Jesus into um, these other things, right, uh, I, that I believe, and I want to amalgamate him with those. I want Jesus to speak into these new uh, things, maybe even help correct them, add perspectives that those worldviews are missing. Um, and let me suggest something to you, and that is that, again, I, I, I have sympathize with that worldview, right? I mean, that, that, that impulse, right? I sympathize with the idea that we want Jesus to speak into these places, but you have to take Jesus as a whole. You have to take him as, as a package deal, because if you don't, all I can say is it never is going to work out the way you want it to. In fact, we're told exactly what will happen. It says, no one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins and it will be spilled, and the skin will be destroyed. But new wine must be put into fresh wineskins. And so I think there's an idea here that basically says that syncretism, right, that when we try to take two worldviews, um, the worldview of Jesus that he gives us and any other worldview, and we try to meld them and we try to make them line up with each other, What's going to happen at the end of the day is we're going to waste both Christianity and the secular worldview. All right, so what do I mean by that? Well, um, first off, let's kind of kind of make sure everybody's on the same page about their understanding of what a wineskin is, right? So, so in in the ancient world, you would literally use animal skin um, to and sew it together and kind of seal it up to make a, a bladder, a, a liquid holding container, right? Um, and they would store all kinds of things in that. They would store any kind of liquid or whatever in it. But if you, if you used it to, to ferment wine or to store wine, you had to be careful because when you stored new wine in a wine skin, you had to make sure that that wine skin was, um, a fresh wine skin, right? You had to make sure. And that the reason for that is, is because the, the wine skin has to be stretchy. Okay. It has to be supple. Um, it has to be, um, because as those gases, uh, are produced in the fermentation process, if you don't have a, a, a supple kind of stretchy wine skin, then, then it's going to rupture, right? It's going to burst that old, that old wine skin is going to be rigid and brittle. And if it, if it starts filling up with these gases, it's going to bust. Okay. And so the issue is kind of basically the same, this idea that Jesus, just as he was the new garment, Jesus is the new wine. And trying to contain him in an old structure isn't going to work. We, we, we talk about this concept a lot, um, that, that, uh, anytime you add to, uh, add a word to the word gospel, it's not really the gospel anymore, right? So if, if, if you say liberation gospel, social gospel, prosperity gospel, you've actually changed the gospel. It's not the gospel anymore. It's something else. All right. Jesus can't be added on to something in that way. 
right? It makes sense to us that Christianity quickly became its own separate religion from Judaism, even though it came out of Judaism. Like Judaism was, was, couldn't contain it, right? It was too small to contain it. And so in, 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 in some ways, it's kind of just a restatement of that point. The illustration is the same of, of, um, the, the new garment and, and the new wine and these old wineskins, right? But I think there's a little bit more something specific there too. Because what does he say? He says, the, the, the skins will burst and the wine will be spilled out. And so I think the, the, the sort of the zoomed in point that he's getting at there is the idea that when we try to meld Jesus to these different things, um, to these human systems, you know, we think in our head, wow, man, this would be great if we could just fill this system with Jesus. There's some good there, maybe. Uh, we just need to get some Jesus in there, and then that will perfect it. But again, the problem is, is that I don't think it ever works out that way, because the old system is incapable of holding the new reality. Jesus is too big. He's too unique. He's too unwieldy um, to fit in any other mold or system. And and those old systems, those old wineskins will always be insufficient. And there's only going to be one result. You waste the wine and you waste the wineskin. Because notice what it, the deal is, is, is it's not that the old wineskin is completely useless. There are uses for old wineskins, right? Old wineskins work pretty well at holding water. Water's inert. There aren't gases building up in it, right? You can hold water in old wineskins. But when you try to make it hold something it can't or it wasn't designed for, then not only are you going to lose the wine, but you're also going to lose the wineskin, okay? You're going to break both of them. And the reality is, is, is lots of things in our world are like that. Politics is like that, right? Um, politics has its place. But if you try to make Jesus patch it, or if you try to make Jesus um, sort of somehow amalgamate to your political system, um, probably what's going to happen is this: it's not going to be able to bear the weight of those things, and you're going to end up losing both of them. Secular philosophies are like that. It can't bear the ultimate weight of, of that reality. It doesn't doesn't mean it doesn't have any uses, right? That old wineskin has uses. It just means that if you're going to try to make Jesus fit in there, it's not going to work. And so, so again, maybe let me say it a little bit more provocatively with, with some of the, 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 the buzz terms that we kind of say, right? Um, Jesus isn't anybody's ally, but at the same time, he's not anybody's good old boy either. He won't prop up your system. And he won't unreservedly back your agenda. And if you try to make him, oftentimes you will lose any value that the old skin had and you will waste any influence that the new wine that Jesus would have exerted. The reality is, is this, man, we have to choose between the old and the new. We have to make a decision which one we're going to pick. And I think that's what Jesus is concluding with in this last uh, parable that he gives in verse 39. He says, no one after drinking old wine desires new. For he says the old is good or the old is better. Now, scholars disagree a little bit on the metaphor right here. It is, is, he, is Jesus still saying that he is the new wine? Um, in this, in this last kind of parable, if that is the case, then, then the point that he is making is he's basically sort of saying something like, 
you guys, the Pharisees, are stuck on the old wine. Um, that's why you won't accept me. Accept me. Literally, you are addicted to the old wine or something. And so, when you taste your old ways, you just you're stuck on it. And you say, "Yeah, the old's better. I'd rather stay with the old." And if that's the point that he is getting at, then Jesus is basically saying, um, "You you you have chosen." the old and, and you, you won't go with the new, but I actually don't think that's what's going on. I think Jesus is just shifting the metaphor. Jesus is now the better wine, right? Okay. Because everybody knows that's how wine works, right? Aged wine is, is better than, than, um, the new wine. And so Jesus is, is, is shifting the metaphor and he's saying, man, nobody that's ever tasted old wine wants new wine. Because once they've tasted what is better, they want the better wine, okay? And Jesus is pointing towards his own person and his own mission in this and saying that I am the better wine, okay? I am the thing that once you taste of me and see that I am good, that you won't want that other thing anymore. Um, You'll want the better of the two options. And so we have to ask ourselves, what do we want? Do we want acceptance from the world? Do we want our acceptance from our friends or from a political party? Do we want approval from, from social media? Um, do we want short-term gains in, in, um, cultural influence and, and, you know, political influence and things like that? Or do we want what is superior? Do we want what is best to know Jesus Christ, to follow in a firm um, the things that he has told us, and to live with the consequences of that. Even when the world disagrees, are we willing to taste the vintage of Jesus and in tasting that vintage recognize that he is good and he is better and that why would we want anything else? We wouldn't want Jesus mixed with anything because Jesus in and of himself is good and better and best. I think the reality is, is this is a choice that we certainly all Christians have to make, but we will continue to have to make. We're going to have to decide whether or not what, what we really want is the world's acceptance and the world's influence while still kind of holding on to our Christianity or whether we are willing to follow Jesus in all things, to wear the seamless garment of Jesus, to um, hold the, the teaching of Jesus Christ in the new wineskins, and have Jesus alone, Jesus sufficient, Jesus excellent, or to cut him to pieces and patch him onto the world, to pour Jesus into our secular worldviews and end up losing not only the, the good that the worldview had in itself, but the influence that Jesus could have borne on those things. That's the choice that's before us. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer.